and the mom who knows nada. My name is Brianna, and this is the Mama Knows Nada podcast. We have a mom with us today. Her name is Gina, mother to four, uh, three of which have our children that are differently abled. So we're going to dive all into her story, um, her mom life, which we were just discussing before we hopped on. is very chaotic at the moment. Um, but the first thing I want to do is welcome you to the show, Gina. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time to share your journey thus far. It's pretty incredible, I have to say. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so stoked to have this conversation. Um, and in your past life, you were a teacher, a special education teacher at that. And tell me about your journey from teaching and then becoming um, a homeschooling parent. Yes. I always say in my post-life before, or my pre-life before all the, this happened, mm -hmm. um, I taught special education. I taught preschool. Oh, wow. So it was called early childhood special education. So I was often the, um, I was the first person the parents, um, were able to deal with, um, I guess once their kids started school. So it's like, I was like their intro to this life. Um, and I taught a few years down in Texas and I've taught three years in Illinois. Um, and during that time I met a lot of parents who did not know what they, what, what was going mm. on, right? Their kids were newly diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, some came to us at the time with a, just a generalized developmental delay, which meant at that time it wasn't nailed down, but they were, they were behind. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to say the privilege, but I had kind of that privilege of connecting with parents early mm -hmm. in their journey. And it was during that time that I realized how much support was needed, mm -hmm. um, that they often, they, they often lacked outside of the school setting. Sure. Sometimes they'd have some therapists or doctors. Um, so I think now in hindsight, I was supposed to be there, um, because it was, not until much later when I had my own kids that the diagnoses came just rolling on in for our family. Um, so I left teaching in 2007 and I believe we received our first official diagnosis, if you want to call that, um, in 2015. Wow. So I had eight years um, in between, um, that now my, my oldest had a food allergy, mm. which obviously is a problem as well that occurred earlier. But in 2015, my, uh, younger son got a diagnosis of ADHD, which then we had suspected Tourette syndrome, but you have to mm. wait a whole year Interesting. before it can be diagnosed. Huh. And so by 2016, we had our diagnosis and that journey began. Wow. So you had already had like an inkling that something might have been like atypical, but it, you had to wait like this whole process to have someone else tell you what yeah. like, you already suspected. <laughs> right. So Tourette syndrome by di by definition of diagnosis, you have to have a combination of motor and vocal tics oh, for a year. Interesting. Okay. Um, and so we had noticed them, we had taken them to the pediatrician mm -hmm. and it's basically you have to sit and wait for the year. And then once the year is up and if they're still there, then they get an official diagnosis. Huh. Yeah. Ask an ignorant question. Cause I don't know a lot about Tourette's. Uh, is that something that is that genetic or is it like something that's developed? Is it neurological or they don't know? Yeah, it's, well, it is by definition, it's a neurological disorder. Okay. Um, 
we don't have any diagnosed Tourette in our family. Um, but I like, I've noticed now in hindsight, things that I thought were just kind of like weird, quirky, quirky things that I mm-hmm. did. I'm like, Oh, those are ticks, but oh, I don't have any that's interesting. Like, diagnosis of Tourette. Huh. So I do like weird things with my eyes. They feel like really dry uh-huh. and I'll have to like pop them in that. It, but I'm like, that's an urge, which I never knew until my kids had Tourette. So, I mean, I don't have vocal tics per se, but I definitely have some motor things going that on. Is, I mean, that's kind of crazy. And I always like to ask because my brother has MS and they, they like, they're still like, well, it's neurological, but they don't know if it's like, yeah. if it's genetic, if it's like, you know, there's all these different theories and they haven't like pinpointed it, you know, it could be a combination of all the things. So, um, yeah, so it's always, there's definitely a genetic component, right? Um, that makes sense. But, it, but for some families, like they have a child and they're like, hey, we got nothing. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> that's, that's genetics for you. Man, right? it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, where, where did this come from? Right. So in our family, we have two kids diagnosed. Both of our boys are diagnosed with Tourette's hmm. syndrome. Our daughter um, has no diagnosis per se of Tourette's syndrome. She, she would qualify as having a tick disorder. Oh, interesting. Um, because she has some uh, motor tics that go on with her face. And sometimes she says, I have this thing with my throat. So, but, but we have not pursued any diagnosis with her at this time for that. She has other diagnosis, but not that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave that one right where it is. Just, you know, we'll let that 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 just simmer for a minute. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. That sounds like a, a lot to like go through, but so I think it's really it interesting that you said like you were supposed to be there. Cause I feel like life has a funny way of like circling back and you're like, ah, that's why I needed that lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did your training in like what in Florida, they call it ESE like instruction. So exceptional student, um, something, I'm not a teacher, so I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I think they list their jobs as E. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. They like, I think they ch- I haven't taught them. Yeah. Changed up their verbiage. I mean, at least from when I was in school, but how did that classroom knowledge and that training, um, kind of inform what you're doing now with your kids at home? Um, I think one of the lessons that I learned is, um, that predictability in structure is, kind of necessary, mm. um, when you, you're raising kids that, that have some challenges with organization and transitions and, and things like that. So my, my classroom was always very structured. Like mm. no one came into my classroom and had like surprises thrown at them. They like, you know, we had our routine every day. Was, we had visuals for that. We had, um, accommodations for them to help support their needs, which is a big part of what I do at home now with my kids. Um, and I also feel like I, I realized from an early point that emotions aren't always very well regulated, um, in children with some (laughs) neurological and, and other things going on. And so, I think I was probably more patient when I was a teacher, when I'm bombarded with it all day long, Uh every day, at some point I kind of lose my patience, but that didn't surprise me that this was going to be a part of our life. Mm -hmm. So I get that. Emotions are hard in general. (laughs) So having neurological, like being neurologically atypical, I can just see where that would be even more of a a struggle in in a lot of ways. So you, your kids were in public school for a while in other states. 
and then you pull them out. How has that benefited them and their and their different learning styles? So yeah, so we have done like a we've done a lot of bouncing. Initially, we put all of our kids in mm-hmm. school, right? They all did preschool. They went to, um, you know, public public initially for various grades, depending on which kid we had. But we sent our younger son is if you if you put a hierarchy of the needs of our kids, our younger son's now mm-hmm. eleven, and he he's at the top. He has the most okay. needs. Um, and he has the most diagnoses. He's, I think, at like eight. Oh, wow. He has eight different diagnoses. So if you, he's got Tourette syndrome, he has ADHD, he has OCD, he has anxiety, mm. he has a learning disability in writing, he has sensory processing. I'm going to forget something. Um, they ended up diagnosing him with intermittent explosive disorder at some point in time. And then he now has PTSD. Well, PTSD came after school. So he was in school with all these needs as a kindergartner. Well, actually started the year before that. And I'd call it transition to kindergarten program, but we had switched school districts. We knew where we were at, wasn't going to work. So we packed up the family, moved 15 miles away. So we just, we didn't move far, but we moved into a different district with the anticipation that things would be better. Um, And we sent him off to kindergarten on a very modified Mm -hmm. schedule couple hours a day, we, we ended up expanding it and, and he was a disaster. Um, he spent a lot of time in seclusion and restraint within the principal's office because he wouldn't comply with their directions and then kind of, they would push it and he would spiral and he would lose kind of control. And it was just like terrible cycle. Um, so we pulled him out three months into his first grade wow. year. A lot of the stuff was going on. We weren't really privy to the the severity of what was going on at school. We got some tidbits here and there. Hmm. Um, and his, so his anxiety was gradually increasing. We had, we had a lot of issues. So we pulled him out. He was number one. So he was my first one to be homeschooled. And that was in November of 17. Hmm. And then in January of 17, we ended up pulling the rest of them because we were starting down the same road. Um, they have, they have learning disabilities, um, mm-hmm. along with some of their other things. And so our oldest son who also has Tourette has a writing disability as well. And they were unwilling to accommodate him at school because they were like, he's doing fine. You know, it's just this, his grades weren't bad enough. I like the quote unquote, they weren't bad enough, huh. but like he, he physically couldn't write because his hand hurt so bad. His grades were falling. And for like a rule follower, that was a problem mm. because he was like, I'm capable of this but my grades stink because he couldn't write what needed to be written. His hand would tire, it would hurt and he would just stop. So I had sent an email to the person who's in charge of, at that time we were asking for a 504 plan for accommodations and they're like, he's fine. And my husband and I, it was literally, I can see it. A Wednesday morning, we were read the email. We were lying in bed. It was like 7am and we just looked at each other and we said, we're done. So we never sent him back. <laughs> we we kind of went out to the living room and we're like, we're not sending you to school anymore. And the kids were like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, great. <laughs> so this was not some like great thought out plan. It was literally like we were tired. We were done. And so we pulled them all. Um, so we kept them all home. We put a few back in school, three of them back in school in 19. And at that point we decided that we were going to move um, 
So we were living in Iowa at the time and we decided we needed more support from the mm-hmm. medical side of the truck community. We were going to move. Um, so we pulled them out again when we moved and we never put them back. So they've been out since, um, well, the beginning of 2020 is when we moved. So they've been home for several years. What now. timing? <laughs> I know. Right. We were like, when we moved, I thought was, you know what? We're moving really far from home. We'll just homeschool the rest of the year. And then we'll maybe put that in. Well, then COVID came. And so we're like, eh, we'll just keep Yeah. Right. Like what, what timing? Right. That's incredible. At that point, we're just like, we're in a groove. Yeah. Right? right. I mean, good, good for you. I think good for you for advocating for yourself and your children and also knowing like your boundary, like this is not working. Mm-hmm. We're not being listened to. Our kids aren't being supported the way they need to like, all right, we're done. Like, yeah, I don't know if I would have the, I don't, I'll say muscles to like do that. If it was my kid, I would like probably continue to fight with the school system. So I think good on you for like seeing it, acknowledging it, and changing directions, pivoting, if you will, way to pivot. <laughs> yes, we, we did a big pivot. <laughs> but the interesting thing I find fascinating is that you, and when we were talking, it's like all your kids have like a talent or like an ability or something that's like mm-hmm. super unique to them that they're like really good at. Will you tell us a little bit about some of them? Yeah. So that's kind of, I don't know. I think with most people, right? Like everybody has a, mm-hmm. at least a, one thing. Right. Everybody has a totally. Thing. And so, um, one of the benefits of homeschooling is our, our work gets done relatively quickly compared to a traditional school setting. And then they're free to do their thing. Well, my daughter has been an artist since she was little, like three, mm-hmm. we were like, Oh, you can draw better than that. <laughs> um, she's, she's 12 now. She's almost 13 and she's an amazing artist and animator. Um, my oldest son is, has been like a sports, just, loved sports, everything sports, give him any stat, whatever. But he used to play all these backyard baseball games and these games, we call them baseball guys, football guys. They're like this big and he'd move them around the field. And he did announcing the play-by-play in all these games since he was four. And at 12, um, he had had some trouble. We had put him back in for junior high and it didn't go well. And he got very depressed. Um, we had some thoughts of self-harm. We, we knew it was time to pull the plug. So pulled him back home. But he's like, I, I need it. Mm. And so he, on his own, emailed the athletic director at our, at our school district and said, hey, could I do play-by-play of the girls' basketball games? And the AD was like, hmm, sure. So he started his YouTube channel, and he would cover the boys' and girls' varsity basketball games and this quickly like took off um and so he got picked up by a local news station they did a huge story on him and it it like spread like wildfire in like twitterverse um and before we knew it he had like his like his idol was his name is len casper at the time he was the announcer for the chicago Mm. cubs and len casper reached out to him oh wow and invited him to come to wrigley field which I mean, that's, that's like for someone being like, Oh, Michael Jordan is my hero. And, and Michael yeah. Jordan being like, Hey, you want to come hang out with me? <laughs> but he never got to do it because COVID shut it all down. Oh man. It was so sad. So, but, but from there it's blown up. So he has a podcast, he has a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. He broadcasts for the, our school district here. 
He interviews professional athletes, like, and he has time to do all this because he's home. So like he gets his work done in the morning and he's trying to get interviews in the afternoon and runs podcast, does his notes. Um, my younger guy is a computer guy. <laughs> he's a coder, he's a gamer. And then my youngest, who's thus far our, our only one who who's just has nothing, no diagnosis of any sort. She's, she's like the multi-talented. She, she likes, you know, she's got all the big siblings. So she likes sports. She likes gaming. She likes Aww. drawing, but she really likes baking. <laughs> so she's, she's going to be a baker like her mom. Oh, that's um, so cool. So it's kind of cool that because they're home, they have the opportunity yeah. to explore all of this um, and not in like a rushed manner. Mm -hmm. Right. So they don't have to like get their homework done and, and whatever goes on at night, they can spend like two, three hours kind of honing their craft, which has been really good for mm -hmm. them. So. I think that's so awesome because we think I've, I did an article for a local Florida based magazine called parents, Florida. And and I interviewed a lot of people or got like some feedback about homeschooling. And one of the things that was like a general consensus was all about like the time that their kids had. Like one woman was telling me that her daughter graduated a year and a half early um, and that mm -hmm. she could do like all these things competitively. And, and my, you know, angle was definitely like travel, being able to use like the world as a classroom kind of thing. And, you know, there's another family like stationed in the UK and like they do these like special trips somewhere. So like Spain, Portugal, like wherever, you know, and they get to go to see all this stuff because there's like, yeah, there's a lesson, there's a history thing there, but you can take half your day, you know, you've done like your math or science, like whatever. I don't know how homeschooling works. Mm -hmm. I couldn't homeschool to save my life. So like <laughs> kudos to everybody who does it. Kudos. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but just that flexibility with your time, like you can give that, like if they do have a crazy talent or a passion or something they want to pursue, they have time to do it. And I think that's like invaluable, you know, like no one tells, it really yeah, is. no one tells me how to structure my days, you know, like if they're, you know, it's like, yeah, I know that there's like reasons for like public school and everything like that, but I just think it's fascinating that you can crunch that full day into like three hours and then you have all this other time to do other stuff. So I think that's, I think that's amazing. No. Yeah. It's a big bonus. That's why, I, I mean, that's honestly why a lot of people do mm -hmm. do things like this is because I, I don't know. Everybody has their reasons for homeschooling. Like ours was basically out of necessity, Yeah, but, but we've taken that need to do that and then expanded upon that. Like kids have their hobbies. Mm -hmm. Travel is huge for us. We travel a lot. We don't, we don't travel out of the country, but you know, we hop in the car. We're lucky where we live, mm -hmm. right? This is new to us and there's plenty of places for us to go. So much to do. Um, yeah. You know, like I, in the spring it was, uh, let's go down to Kennedy space. Yeah. Well, you can read about it in a book. You can watch some videos or you can go. So that's what, that's what my kids get to do. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I mean, my son's obsessed with space. I go on a tangent again and we still haven't been down there because he's in school every day, but how many space launches are going off all the time? Like here, no, Cape, I know. we watched one last Cape week. Canaveral, right? Yeah. Like you can see them coming up yep. all over the place, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, right. You should go do that. It's right there. Yeah. Um, it's not far. So you have a lot going on with your kids and their needs and educating them obviously. So how do you stay true to you and your needs? 
Oh, okay. So that's been a struggle. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a process. Um, I always say like, I kind of succumb to the, the mommy martyrdom initially. Mm. Um, so part of our thing was our kids are close in mm-hmm. age. Um, and we, at the time when our three youngest were born, we were living, um, it was about three and a half, four hours from grandparents. Mm. So it was us. Um, my bro or my husband's brother lived about 10, 15 minutes from us. They had their own family, like mm-hmm. same, 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 same thing going on. So, um, so we had, uh, three and a half year old, a 16 month old and a newborn at, at one point. Um, and my husband does sales and his sales requires travel. Um, so it was me and these kids <laughs> all day. <laughs> every day. Yeah. Um, so, so I would say in the beginning part of it, I, I was even drowning. I wasn't drowning with one, but I was so bored. Like I needed to connect with Mm -hmm. people. And so at that time I found a mom's group and then we kind of branched off and started our own mom's Mm -hmm. group. And so it was like, we facilitated that. And so then I had people, right. It was people, the other moms who was like, Oh my God, I was up all night. I can't function. Like (laughs) my kid is screaming all the time. They don't eat whatever. So I think that helped me be like, okay, I'm a not alone and B I have to do things other than just mom. Mm -hmm. Like we would do mom's breakfast and such. Well, kind of coinciding with that, um, I joined a Mm. gym and that was my saving grace in the time that we lived there. Cause it was two hours a day. I would be like, I can drop them off for two hours a day. And we were so blessed that the gym itself was like the best. It was like the best daycare, but it wasn't a daycare. Like it was all these women who were like grandmas (laughs) and they loved the kids. So they, they did like singing and crafts and it was like taking them to whatever. And so I could work out and I could shower. And that was like, Oh my gosh, winning five days a week. I went every day. Um, I mean, every day I'm like, time to get time to go. We're going to the gym. (laughs) So that was probably, I would say it was kind of limited, right? Like I had my mom's group and I had my workout, but outside of that, it was just mom. Well, we moved quite a bit and I've always tried to be a part of some mm. sort of a group. And if there wasn't a group, I created a group because I knew of the importance of being part of mm-hmm. it. Well, as my kids have gotten older, you know, the demands as far as, you know, we're not working around nap times and bottle feedings and all that stuff. But when the diagnosis rolled in and life just tanked, then it was really hard to find time. Mm to do anything to stay true to myself. I was literally just trying to survive and stay above mm-hmm. water, but the past couple of years have leveled out a little bit. And so now I do a lot of things and I don't know if you can see it. Cause I grabbed it. I was like, Oh, I have things I can show you. <laughs> um, nice. And I don't know, it might be backwards, but okay. It's probably going to be backwards, but I have this little sheet and it's called today's three to take care of me. So I try to write well, three things down. So I know that was backwards probably, but okay. like today I have, three mile walk. I need to drink six, four ounces of water because I need to start drinking water again. I'm not drinking enough. Um, and then I want to read, um, Atlas of the heart part of Brene Brown's new book. So that's like those three things will get done today because that's my priority. Um, then people will just have to deal. Like I'm going to go for a walk here soon. Um, 
I set goals. Um, I know, you know, goals can be hard to achieve sometimes, but I try to set realistic goals. One of my goals last year was to walk a thousand miles. There's my little sheet. I did. Oh, but I tracked it. Um, you, I think, I think visuals are important. So I had this like front and center. So I'd see my little mm. chart and I'd be like, Hmm, I haven't colored in my squares today. I should probably go for my walk. Um, <clears throat> so I set goals. Um, just because I feel like that, that gives me the focus mm -hmm. on like, what do actually I want to do? Not, not what do my kids need or what do my kids mm -hmm. want to do? What do I want to do? And then my other thing, which will be backwards too. I have this little sheet here. Um, this was for 2022 and we, we did this as a family. Um, so everybody has their sheet, but it's like five things I'd like to learn, Ooh. five places I'd like to go, five things I'd like to try and five goals I can achieve. So that also kind of guides me, um, like on what I'm doing instead of, cause sometimes I feel like I just spin in circles, mm. like, yep. right. And like orbiting and, and I have all these ideas in my head, but I don't do any yeah. of them because I, I'm like bouncing from things. Yeah. Like, um, so I did like the one word. I don't know if you're familiar with like, you pick a word for the year mm. and I picked prioritize for my word this year because I get so dang distracted by stuff I don't need to be doing. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think for me to feel fulfilled and happy, mm -hmm. I have to like kind of tune out the outside noise and stop scrolling through stupid mm -hmm. things on social media. Um, and just wasting time. Totally. Right. Um, because I learned that the more I do things that like fulfill me, the happier mm -hmm. I am and the better I can be at mm -hmm. home. If I'm not doing those things, I kind of suck. Like my temper's short, I'm just irritable. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like giving off this vibe of like, get away from yeah. me. Leave me well, and then like your kids can feel that energy too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a big proponent of like that. And I love, I love all those things you said. I want that, that goal sheet, you know, the five things you I want that email that to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, I put it on my mirror. So you have to see it. And it's funny you talk about the visuals. Like I leave things in my way so that I have to do them, you know, like order the cats, like flea and tick medication. Like I have to see it or I'll forget about it kind of thing. And I think that, I think that's so important, but I also feel like we all can get weighed down by life a hundred percent. And I remember kind of, I was like 19 or 20 and my sister was pregnant and I was like, I said something to her, like, you need to take care of you so you can take care of your kids. And I've always, and this was way before, like 12 years before I ever had kids. And I've, so I've always been a firm believer that if you're not good, like you're talking about, you know, moving and, you know, having to like go to the gym and you can like, you know, feel good and all that stuff. Like I'm a firm believer that if mom's not okay, no one is okay because I'm right. similar to you where like I'm irritable, I'm snippy. I have this like negative, like energetic aura that I just exude if I like, if I don't get certain things and then finding like my rhythm is sometimes like me, like going in a circle and I'm like, Oh, Oh wait, maybe I need to go expel some energy so that I can find my center and like be productive and not lost. So I, I, that all of that resonates so much with me personally. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Totally get it. hundred percent. I hear you hundred percent. Um, so what about like, you and your husband, how do you guys make time for each other, especially when there's so much going on with the kids and he's traveling and yeah, well, 
I would say the one one bonus to COVID times is the travel has decreased mm. some. He's been home a lot more because he does medical sales. So there are times where the hospitals are like um, essentially mm-hmm. like shut, like when they shut elective surgeries and stuff down. He was just home. Like they, people weren't going in to their ORs and stuff. Um, so that's been nice. He's been around more. Um, but one of the hardest things I think about that you will find with, with special needs caregivers all Mm -hmm. around is that we don't have the opportunity. Many people don't have the opportunity to have a break. Mm. Um, it's hard. I can't get any babysitter off the street to come to my house. Like it just, it doesn't work. Um, and as my kids have gotten older, grandparents really couldn't handle them either. Cause when they were young, we would rely on them sometimes. Um, cause we eventually moved back closer to my parents and they could come and watch the kids. Uh, but as they got older and my, my youngest with the child with more challenges got stronger, mm-hmm. it just, it, cause he could, he could physically lash out. Um, it just wasn't an option to have them anymore. Mm-hmm. So we, now that they're a little bit older, our oldest is a freshman in high school. Um, we try to do Sunday dates. Mm-hmm. We have a January has just been blah. It's not been good. Like we have been really good before the year, the calendar flipped Sundays were our days. And, and our rule was uh, mom, dad are going out. If you would like happy parents, you're going to let us go out and, and you're not going to call us with fighting. Uh, just go your own way, but you have to stay inside. Like you can't go out and cause we have kids everywhere, but we're like, you can't be out in the neighborhood playing. Mm-hmm. You got to give us this time. You know, if you can give us this time when we come home, then you can go play. So we would just go 10, 15 minutes from home. We weren't far Mm -hmm. by any means. Um, We kind of gotten into this Sunday afternoon date so we could talk and eat and have a beer or whatever in peace and quiet. (laughs) Um, That was the goal. Um, The other thing we, we try to do is like, um, so it's Sunday date. And then Sunday, um, evening is like eight 30 is a hard, like you're either in bed if you're younger or you're in your room, like go away because <laughs> we need to regroup. <laughs> um, we're just like eight 30, you're gone. We are not going to see you anymore today. Um, because those, that's the simplest, most realistic option. For mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have to take your circumstances and adjust. Right. Um, but it's been really hard because there's, you know, there's parts of you where you hear people are like, Oh, my spouse and I are going to Mexico for a week. And I just want to be like, "Eh, good for you. We we don't get to even like go out at night. (laughs) Um, so the last, like the last time we went anywhere for longer than a night, outside of when we were moving in house hunting, which really wasn't a vacation, um, was 2016. So it's been almost six years. It was April of 2016, which makes things really difficult. Like, because I feel like it's hard to separate your role as mom and dad Mm. and husband and wife when you're constantly at Mm -hmm. home with kids. Like you're, you're always mom and dad at that time. So it is very difficult. Like I I think if you look at, statistics wise and stuff in, in the community of people raising special needs mm-hmm. children, divorce rates are generally higher, um, because it's, it's super high stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it can be just kind of keeping you at home. Like you don't get those breaks. You don't get to pursue like 
you know, outside hobbies and passions per se mm-hmm. outside of your house, because you're kind of tied here, you know, depending on your circumstances, you depend, it's, it's all dependent upon, totally. you know, what's going on with your kids. But there's a thing out there called respite care that we have not really been able to utilize. And I think that's just a big, big thing for lots of families. I, I know plenty of families who I, who don't like the parents don't get out. I know plenty of moms raising special Mm -hmm. needs kids who, um, you know, you talk about self-care and everybody's like, I just suck taking care of myself because all of my time and energy is, you know, taking care of everybody else. It's it's exhausting. I can imagine that it'd be like exhausting, especially like with four kids with varying needs. That sounds tiresome some days I'm sure, but it's also, I'm sure from the sound of it, like, very rich, you know, there's sounds like they're, you know, they've surprised, like they they can surprise you in like many different ways, like with all of their, especially their interests. I love it how they're, they each have like something that's kind of their own. I think that is so cool. I mean, I mean, I think parenting is, is, is hard in general. It's part of the reason I started this podcast, but then like you add like a layer of, you know, not knowing exactly like necessarily how to meet your kids needs like right away or like when they have something that's atypical, like then you have to like do what you said, like you have to take your circumstances and, and, you know, adjust, but you know, like it's, and then you can't trust people to take care of your children because they have a need that somebody might not know what to do with, you know, like how do you, you know, right. I wouldn't know what to do. So like, I told right. How do you do yeah. with the like explosive, yeah. explosive outdoors? Totally. <laughs> with the kid <laughs> totally like so i could see like if i'm putting myself in your shoes like, I, I could see why that'd be really hard to go on a date with my husband and i would definitely i definitely like what you do at that 8 30 go away mm-hmm. i think that's brilliant away. <laughs> you know? it's, it's like it's like it's not every day of the week right it's it's but on this particular mm-hmm. day this is what you're gonna the, do I, for a while like we would watch a show it was like that was the night we would watch ted lasso like Y'all are going to bed and we are going to turn on Ted Lasso. Okay, Go away. Keeping sight. Yeah. Got to take your wins where you can, right? That's what I always say. Like, you got to take the wins where you can. And I mean, I have a totally different situation, yeah. totally different circumstances. But like, you know, my, my husband's been gone for going on two weeks, but his visa was terminated, you know? So everybody has like a different thing. And I look at other people who like who, you know, have sitters all the time or go out all the time. And I'm like, no, I got to be there to put my kid down at eight o'clock because otherwise he's not going to bed. And then my morning's going to be the worst ever. You know, I'm sure you have things like that. If your kids aren't in bed or you're not there for them, like, it's like, it's worse than, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's just better. It's it's like there. You have to like weigh it and you're like, Uh, exactly, exactly. (laughs) But I mean, I'm also very impressed that you can stay up past eight 30. If, if my kid goes to, when I put my kid down, I always fall asleep with him. uh, Good for you for having the energy to stay up and watch Ted Lasso. Cause I would not. Yes. I've gotten better. (laughs) I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) Um, Okay. Since your kids are differently abled, is there anything like any misconceptions that you would like to address about, you know, children with varying abilities? Um, it depends. Well, that's the thing that's interesting, right? Because we, we are in like our mm-hmm. bubble. Cause like, if I was a, a mom of a child with autism, I'd have my, mm-hmm. I have my Tourette thing. Um, 
I always feel like Tourette is like a super misunderstood disability. Mm. Um, you say Tourette syndrome, what do most people say? Oh, they jerk around and they swear. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. like, swearing is like 10% or less of people. It's called coprolalia. 10% of less of people have coprolalia. They don't all walk around and, and yell expletives all day long. That's just, that's not Tourette. Um, Tourette is the, vo the motor and vocal tics. Um, which that alone makes things hard because they're obvious, mm -hmm. right? Like my oldest son who does the broadcasting, he has a shriek, like an ear piercing shriek. Okay. He's gone to a therapy. It's called CBIT where they teach him the urge that's going to come before that shriek. Oh, and then they taught him a, com a competing, um, they call it like a competing motion. So like you can't shriek if you're pushing your tongue up against the top of your mouth until that urge passes oh. to put your tongue up on the roof of your mouth. So it's, he still has it, but it's not as frequent as it was, which that was like his demise of junior high. Like mm. junior high sucks to uh -huh. begin with, in my totally opinion. like it just sucks. Yeah. And then you're a 12 year old boy sitting in a math class and rip this shriek and everybody's looking mm -hmm. at you and you have social anxiety mm -hmm. and then it just spirals. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I appreciate about him is in, in that setting, he wasn't able to be like, Oh, I have Tourette syndrome. This is what I do. But when he was broadcasting in his own comfort zone, he would generally make at least one shriek on a broadcast. And he would say, Oh, sorry about that. I have Tourette syndrome, make noises. Sometimes I can't control. And then his, his tagline was always, it'll bother me more than it bothers you. And he just moved on. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, with every disability comes challenges, mm -hmm. but your disability doesn't define mm. you. Um, and so a lot of times I feel like the kid, well, particularly when their kids can get the short end of a stick because people make assumptions about mm -hmm. them. They, you know, particularly for kids who have a disability where behavior is part of yeah. that, um, it is often looked at as willful behavior. They are choosing to behave this mm -hmm. way, um, which then results in um, a reward punishment system of if you do this, then you get that. And, you know, if you don't, you lose this. And for those kids that doesn't work, it, it makes things worse. You end up with kids like mine who, you know, have been punished for their disability for so long. And it's like, I don't know if, if I were to say anything, it was take your preconceived notions that you have about mm -hmm. any of this stuff and throw it out the window. And I think one of the things, whoopsie, why are you doing that? Oh, I think one of the things that pissed me off the most, um, was that people thought, Oh, why is this doing this? people thought we were, we were bad parents. Mm. If we just, if we would just X, Y, Z, he wouldn't behave that way. And it was like, you have no idea what we do. I had some really nasty comments from people who would, they were like trolling me, um, on my Facebook page that I use for my business. Well, isn't your kid the one that maybe you should just be a better parent and he wouldn't behave that way. And I'm like, you have no idea how I parent. Like you have no idea how many hours I've spent reading about this disability, finding doctors for this kid, mm -hmm. finding therapists and all this stuff. Like we moved our kids halfway across the country. Please don't tell me that I need to be a better parent. 
maybe you need to be a more empathetic mm. person and more open-minded mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, I always think my big thing is, is, is my tagline is what am I missing? So if you're a teacher and you have a kid, what am I missing? Like why, why are like, like behavior is communication. Yeah. So what am I missing? And it's the same way for, for an adult. Like if you're, if you're looking at a family and their kid is struggling, don't make the assumption that it's bad parenting. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, Oh, what am I missing in this situation? Like, what do I not know? And I think that's been probably one of the most frustrating things for us was I know there were plenty of people who judged us and, Oh, you just need to be better parents. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> Go. <away>. Everybody has <laughs> their opinion, but is it is that for saying opinions are like assholes? Everybody has one, you know, like, right. Right. Yeah. It was just like, I think, I think it's really interesting that people, especially when they are talking about something they don't understand, like a hundred percent, I don't understand Tourette's at all. So I'm going to ask ignorant questions, but at least I'm going to, I'm willing to ask a question to learn something, you know, that's the way I look at it. Like, but I would never sit here and tell you, Oh, well you should just do this with your kids. Like you should never say that to anybody anyway, but you should definitely not say that to somebody whose children have some kind of disability because you don't understand what they've already done to, you know, help their child or support their child or, you know, the therapies they've employed or, or, you know, the tech, all the things that you do to help their kids. Like, you know, it's like, if you want to liken it to like a broken bone, right. You know, you do all the things to take care of that broken bone, right? You're going to wrap it. You're going to bandage it. You're going to wash it. You're not going to, you're going to listen to the doctors. You're going to get it checked out. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think when you're diagnosed with a disability, it's it's the same thing. If you notice something that's a little atypical, you're going to try to figure it out and you're going to go to all the different things and you're going to read all about how you should, you should address this situation. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's really asinine for people to like troll you and tell you what you had to be a yeah, good was, mom. Like even yeah, right, just, it was super fun. Yeah. That makes me upset for you. So I'm sorry. You have to live, deal with that. <laughs> but, but it also takes me to like, my next question is like you, you've kind of done something pretty awesome with your life and experiences. And you've written a book to, to like, highlight and showcase and tell your story. And why was that important for you to put all that on paper? Um, I think one of the reasons it was important for me was because kind of when the, the bottom fell out for us, which would have been in 2016 with him. Um, I started my parent empowerment groups, um, Facebook page. I was like, okay, I know it's not just us, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's other people. And so I would talk a little bit about what was going on. I was mad because, you know, we would, we would repeatedly go into the school and say, he has a writing disability. Mm -hmm. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. You just haven't identified it. Like it's this writing disability is like a high percentage of kids with Tourette's have a writing disability, high percentage. Um, So not only did the school, sorry, not understand Tourette's, Mm -hmm. they didn't, identify his needs. They didn't accommodate his needs. And then, so I would write a lot about that. I would write blog posts and share those. And the comments kept coming in, you know, a comment session of this is my, this is our life. This is my kid. What can I do? You know, this kind of stuff. Hmm. And I, much to my mother's dismay because she's like a much more private person than Mm -hmm. I am. And I'm like an open book Mm -hmm. and it, it just not her, it's not her thing. But I always felt like, 
I don't feel like we need to live in this like shame hole, right? right? Of like, oh gosh, this is so embarrassing and we're so ashamed or whatever. It was more like we weren't getting the support we needed. He wasn't getting the support he needed. So I just shared all of that. And the more people that commented, I was like, okay, I'm willing to share our story. Not everybody is willing Mm -hmm. to put all their dirty laundry out into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that if I did, there would be people that would get a hold of that story that needed that Mm -hmm. story. So the book in itself, um, it's called Exceptionally Unordinary, right? So like, that's us. We're just not, we're not typical. We're not ordinary. We're far from normal. Um, but everybody's pretty freaking fabulous. In their yeah. Ways, right. So I was like, okay, this will get in the hands of parents who are also raising exceptionally unordinary kids. And some of those just need to read a story where they're like, finally, someone gets mm-hmm. it. And I've had, I have like a, a, a few reviews on Amazon where that's exactly what it is. Like finally someone gets it and I'm sending this to everyone, family members, whatever, who interacts with our family to Mm -hmm. read because it's, it's this opportunity to like get a glimpse into what our lives are like. And maybe they're not able to put words to it. Maybe their families don't believe Mm -hmm. them. Right. It's that just do better thing. Suck it up and do better. (laughs) So I was like, okay, so that's one audience and something that can fulfill it for that audience too. It's, it is for those family members. It's for friends. It's for anybody who wants to, to learn and to understand a little bit more about what life is like Mm -hmm. when you're raising kids that, you know, that have different abilities. Um, and then the third audience is for us for educators. And so I would say I'm kind of in that, that, that strange position of I once was Mm -hmm. you, right? So I always say they call it the IEP table, Mm -hmm. right? So I sat on this side of the table as a teacher. Well, now I'm on this side of the table as a parent. Mm -hmm. So I have both perspectives now. Um, And I feel like it's a tool to spark conversation. And it's kind of my plea to be like, I know we can do Mm -hmm. better. Um, And I hope it can cultivate change just because there are kids my son's not the only one who has disabilities who's been secluded and restrained. Like that's just factual. It's, it happens all the time. Um, and it happens at a, at a high frequency with disabled students, but it's like, if you f- can figure out why they go from here to like zero to 60, mm-hmm. right. You've got to figure out what the trigger is. Then we can, we can, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big proponent of that. Obviously like it's, those, those decisions at the school literally changed the course of our family's life. Like we couldn't stay where we were because we didn't have the mental health support we needed because it was, it was lacking in our area. We didn't have the threat support we needed, whatever. So like we've moved our family because of what's happened. Um, but it was, and in some regards it was therapeutic, Mm. I guess. Right. Like to get it all out. Um, some of it was really hard to write, but here's my little secret. I let no one read it. So I, I let one, one friend had access to it. My husband did not read the book until it was published. So, and, and everybody's like, well, that's kind of strange. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you let your husband read that? Was he okay with this? And I'm like, well, I think he trusted that I would, you know, yeah. tell, I would tell the story and, and so, you know, 
And like, after he read it, he's like, you just skim the surface. <laughs> right. I didn't, I, I didn't even like really dive into a lot of this stuff. Um, but my thing was, this was my story. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if I shared things with him along the way, my story would change a little mm-hmm. bit because, you know, our perspectives maybe were a little bit different. I was home with this full time. I dealt with it pretty much 24 seven and he wasn't home all the time. He wasn't the one always going to the school to pick the screaming child up right. that whatever. He wasn't always sitting in the meetings because he had to work. So, you know, it was my story. So, so it's out there. Um, it's been well received. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's, it's not a book that you're going to read and you're going to be like, wow, that was a great feel good story. <laughs> you're not going to get done and be like, my heart is so full. You're going to be like, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> Why did they do this to them? Um, but I mean, I don't know. I'm a big, I, like I said, I'm going to read Atlas of the heart. Like I'm a big Brene Brown fan. Like I'm all about the, like getting in the arena and sharing your story mm-hmm. and, um, and I think it took me three years to mm. write it. And I was like, I am going to finish this. It was a non-negotiable. So that's yeah. awesome. Good for you. And I, I think it's, I think it's important to, I'm very much the same as you. Like I'll tell anybody, anything, whether you want to know it or not, you know, <laughs> like, but I also feel like certain experiences of mine, like you're saying can be beneficial to other people or because you've gone through that and had some kind of like personal growth or an awareness to others an, an empathetic awareness, uh, a self-awareness, some kind of personal development with all like any kind of life experience. If you choose to take the lesson out of it is, can be so beneficial for mm-hmm. other people who might be tread like treading water, trying to think about how the hell am I going to get out of this? How am I going to survive this? What am I going to do? You know, I'm sure there's parents all over the place who feel stuck or I kind of want to go to circle back to this, what you said, like they live in this, like, you know, shameful space of, Oh, my child has this disability or we can't do this because of that. But I don't feel like from what I know about differently abled individuals, like everybody tells me that they feel like that's a blessing when their kids are, because it opens up a whole new way of life and, there's a vibrancy. There's like a resilience. There's it's, it's like that that child wouldn't be the same if they didn't have Tourette's or they didn't have down syndrome or they weren't Mm -hmm. autistic. So how can you be ashamed of something that makes them who they are? Um, which I kind of want to use that to parlay into this, like what advice would you give, you know, being a mom of children with disabilities to somebody who might have, who might be learning that their kid has some kind of disability. Um, I think that the biggest thing is a breathe, right? Mm. Like just, just breathe. Cause it's, this is going to be here. It's going to be what it is. And it can be a really, that's a part of the problem. It can be a really long, frustrating mm-hmm. process, right? It can be a really long, frustrating process to get to be like, as a parent, you're like, okay, I know something is, is, mm-hmm. is not quite right here. I'm not sure what, sometimes you are very clear on what it is. Sometimes you're like, you know, it's kind of a mystery, but going from, that suspicion Mm -hmm. to, to a diagnosis can be a long Mm -hmm. process just in the medical community, right? Like you've got to find the right doctors. Mm. We, we went to, so we were in Iowa at the time we went to two very well-renowned 
medical facilities near mm-hmm. us, right? Um, well, not near us. Like one was an hour and one was four. Um, and we left there more frustrated than when we got there. Um, like, because Tourette is not a very well understood thing in the medical community. Um, and we left and, and we were like, they don't get it. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> so we left pretty, we, we would drive home and we were like, cool. We just spent two nights in a hotel and eight hours of driving for this. So then, um, I went to the national Tourette conference in Washington, DC in 2018 and got in, 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 um, introduced to this neurologist who worked at a Tourette center of excellence in Kansas city. That's five and a half hours away. But we put all the family in the car and we drove the five and a half hours to the doctor. We all sat all, all six of us in this tiny room because we had to take everybody with us. And, um, we talked to this doctor and we were there for a couple hours and that was the first time we left somewhere and we were like, ha, somebody gets it. Mm. Like it was the first time he was like, Oh my gosh. And just rattled and made everything make sense. And I remember I have this in the book, like my husband and I were driving back to Iowa. We kind of like shared a look when we had the kids in the car and it was like, fine. Mm. Somebody might be able to help us. So I think if you have this suspicion or you're newly diagnosed, I think one of the important things is you've got to find your providers, may that be doctors, therapists, whatnot. And you have to be comfortable. Mm. You have to, you have to leave that room thinking they know what they're talking about. Like I can, I can see that, that they get Mm. this. If you get that feeling of like, uh, something's not right here. Like we, we left one psychiatrist who was like, you just need more sticker charts. And I was like, I don't need another freaking sticker chart. Like, do you think we've not tried all this stuff? I was a teacher for Christ's sake. I know all about sticker charts. <laughs> um, right? That was her solution. Hmm. If we just, if we just did more sticker charts, he would be, he would behave better. And I'm like, go read the Tourette research. Everything in there says kids do not respond to reward and punishment. Okay. Yes. We've learned that timeouts didn't work. Sticker charts didn't work. Nothing worked. So you have to have trust that your, your support team is like, Mm. gets it. Secondly, you, you kind of go in this time continuum of where like you need to take one day at a time. Okay. Cause you, you want to be like, Oh my God, what is it going to look like in 10 years? Oh, Mm. they're going to do right. So you have to just like, you're, you're like one day Mm -hmm. at a time. And then some days are really bad days. yeah. Some days are really bad days. So you're like one hour at a time. Some days it's like one minute at mm-hmm. a time. You're like, okay, I just got to get through this minute. Yeah. And then we're going to get to the next mm. minute. Um, so I think that is really important where you don't get too caught up in the, in the what ifs and the, in the what down the road. It's just like, just take it one day mm-hmm. at a time. Um, and then another thing I think is important is you need to find your support community. Mm. So that might be, and my very first support community was an online group on Facebook. Uh, it was a Tourette group on Facebook. And I sat there for a whole day scrolling through all these posts. And I was like, oh my God, I have found my people. Wow. Like finally someone isn't like, well, if you just did this, then this would happen. No, it, you know, I just, and so, so I found that, which spiraled into me doing, going to that conference, which I got to meet people in person. Um, but you have to find your support people and, and some disabilities will have 
like I know autism is very prevalent, they will have local Mm -hmm. autism support Mm -hmm. groups, right? Depends on what your disability is. There's, there's, there's local Tourette things too, but people are kind of few and far between, right? Like it's, it's a little bit more difficult, but you have to find your online community and an in-person if you're lucky. Um, and, Mm. and that's where you start because you will find people who can, especially if they're local and you can find, they they can direct you, go to this pediatrician, go to this speech therapist, like, because a lot of the problem is, is you spend so much time trying to find somebody. It's like, God, I don't know how many different therapists we've gone to, right? Like, this is a bad fit. This is a bad fit. This. So if you can find that re- those resources of like, these are the people you want mm-hmm. to go to, then that's, that's going to help build your support team. Um, and then I think you have to find, like, I have a great group of friends that I've met since I've lived mm-hmm. here. Um, and while they don't necessarily understand the complexities of life in here, I can at least go and just vent. Mm. They always offer to help. What can I do to help? Um, some can identify with some of the mental health things we Mm. have going on in our house because they have that in their house as well. Um, but it's like, you have to find, you have to find your people, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's true in anything. You have to connect with somebody along the way, but you know, you kind of just have to have that, um, that opportunity to vent, connect, escape. Mm. I don't know. Um, but I think that those in this day and age, the online, the online communities, there's something for everybody. They don't, they're not all created equal. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but you can get a pretty good vibe real quick. If you'll be like, Oh, this is going to be helpful. Or you'll be like, eh, <laughs> and then just move on. I think that's good insight. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that I talked to somebody a while ago and they were like, at first their son was diagnosed with, um, down syndromes. And he was discussing about how he had all these dreams for his son. Uh, and then he real, and then his viewpoint was that I was living my, my dreams, you know, what I wanted for him, not necessarily what he was meant to do on like during his life. And I thought that was really poetic, you know, uh, because sometimes like, I think we, I think we all kind of do that with our kids. Like, Oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to be? Uh, but then when somebody like literally can't like swing a baseball bat or something like that, they're, they're, they're just body just doesn't allow them to do that. Well, that's not what they were supposed to do here. So what we're like, you know, what is their purpose? Like let them live out their life the way they're, it's their journey, right? Not, not, not yours, not mine. It's theirs. So I, that, that is something to me that's always like kind of stuck with me. Um, and I just always thought that was a beautiful thing to hear, like, you know, someone talk, say about their kids. So, and I think your, your advice is like super solid. It, I mean, on a lot of levels. And I think it's so hard, especially like within the medical community to find, like, again, my brother has MS. So sh- trying to get people that can like talk about things in like a certain way, you know, and, and then, you know, for someone like me, my, my kid doesn't have a disability. So sometimes I think it's, it's awkward for parents of, you know, typical, like neurotypical children or just typical, I don't want to say normal. Cause I feel like that word is like bull. Um, but you know, so, right. Exactly. I think <laughs> like sometimes like we get scared to like talk about it or ask questions or like we tense up or be freeze or like, Oh, okay. Cause like we can't, 
you know, like I can't relate to certain things that I know you experience that, that I don't experience. But I think that's why conversations like this are super important because I learned a whole shit ton today about Tourette's that I didn't know before, you know? <laughs> and I think there's, you have to be, there has to be a sense of humility and empathy, you know, like if you want some, if you, if I want my kid to succeed, you know, like th there's all these things I need to do, but there's a lot of other kids who might just need a little bit, a, a different type of support in order to be successful. And I don't think we should ever shy away from uncomfortable conversations. And I say all the time, like I'm still learning lingo when it comes to like the, um, different, differently able like community and, and kids with disabilities or individuals with disabilities. And I'm going to stumble and I'm going to mess up, but I, I feel like having these conversations are really important because our realities are different, but we're still moms and we're still trying to get things done. And we're still trying to do what's best for our kids. And we're still trying to like push them forward into the world as like productive human beings. And regardless, like, isn't, isn't that something like we all can relate to, like just trying to do best by our kids every single day and that is exhausting <laughs> like it just is it just is parenting is just not i was like where's the book that is just titled like parenting is hard whatever all those other books say just throw them <laughs> like well and it's sub i also feel like it should be and subjective you know like what you need in your household is different than what i need in my household you know so so right. who am I to tell you how to live and ma maintain your household and vice versa? You know, if anything, I feel like you've given me some tips <laughs> to take into my, to my day to day. <laughs> That's for sure. So I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it, you know, it's interesting. It's inspire inspiring. And I just feel like for me, like anybody who has more than one kid is like my hero. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, yay, you. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that i don't understand right you're like all these people. i know right i can't keep track of the one like i don't know how you deal with the four especially going all the different directions <laughs> all right gina that's been amazing is there anything we didn't cover is there anything else you want to share any final thoughts um, for us today well i think that one of my one of the things that i not necessarily by choice right yeah. homeschooling wasn't by choice the time I was working part-time, I just got a part-time job at, at the chiropractor oh, we went cool. to because like, I just needed to get out of the house and I managed their social media and I got to interact with people. It was amazing. I was like, Oh, adult conversation. What is this? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm trying to shift back to that. Like, um, a couple years ago, I hosted a conference. It was a parent conference for parents of kids with special needs. And it was awesome, right? Like it was a, it was a room of people and it was so, that thing was so funny because some very few people knew each other when they arrived. Um, and so, you know, mm. it's, it's the like, and so I had purposely set up the tables where there weren't that many. Right. So like you, there were all these extra seats where you could just be like, Oh, I'm going to go sit over here in the corner. Um, and so eventually people started talking and, and it was funny because we would have these breakout sessions and then we would come mm. back. And as the day went on, I was like, geez, we're supposed to be starting our next big session. I can't get people to stop talking to each other. Like they're out in the hallway. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, oh, well, I'm not going to rush this because, you know, the people all came in and we we're like, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, nobody's going to yeah. get it. Now, now we have the opposite problem. I'm, I'm like, okay. 
okay, okay, we're 20 minutes late. Now you got to stop talking so we can finish this. And then you can talk some more. Um, but it was like building that it's, it's the importance of that building that community. Mm. So it was that day, you know, people met each other. And, and if, even if they left with one person in their, in their new community, mm-hmm. right, that was a bonus. So I'd like to get back to doing that kind of stuff again. It's been obviously with COVID, like that was, wasn't even an mm. option for a long time. True that. Um, so I'm starting to get back into that. How can I bring people together mm-hmm. in whatever manner I can right now. Um, so I finally worked out with our, our CDD director here in the community. Cause like Florida is so weird to me, like where I'm from, you have like cities and suburbs and down here you have all these communities. They're like a small city in themselves (laughs) or large city in themselves. Um, so I met with our CDD director and I'm like, so our community, we're going to have our own like exceptional kiddos mm. group and we're going to start meeting once a month and then we'll bring in some speakers. And like, so that's like my step one. So I'm back to my like grassroots is I, I also uh, make cute words and post them around my house. So grassroots is currently posted on my little board because it reminds me to like go back to the small, mm. right? Like we got to start small. So if we, if we create this community mm-hmm. here, then, and then, okay, maybe we're going to branch out a little bit mm-hmm. more and then a little bit more and we can continue that. So ideally I'd like to start doing that again. And I'd like to take our story and share that with people. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just want to go talk to mm-hmm. people. Um, so I'm, I'm, but you know, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm not a marketing person. Oh my gosh, I hear you. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Isn't that what part of teaching but, is always learning? <laughs> right? I'm like, it's like this is with this book, right? It's like, I don't have a big PR firm and a marketing firm. Yeah. I need to be like, read the book. I'm like, anybody, please. <laughs> um, I, I hear you. But Right. But I think what I'm going to do, there's another national Tourette conference coming up in May that I'm going to speak at. My my son's going to speak at, like, I just, I'm trying to go into that, that, um, speaking, Mm -hmm. I guess the purpose of it is that like speak to build community, Mm -hmm. right? Like bring people together, totally talk about some things, maybe leave with a new perspective and take your new Mm. perspective off and drip it into the minds of other people. Just introduce so. them to something they may not have thought before. I think right? that's important. Like, oh, I'd never thought of that. Maybe that kid is like completely losing their shit mm-hmm. because they're so overstimulated. Mm-hmm. They just can't handle mm-hmm. that instead of God, that kid's mm-hmm. not. No. You know, I'll tell you what I've learned real quickly. And my, cause my, my husband, he's, I'm super empathetic and he'll be like, he'll just make And part of it is cause he's trying to be funny but he'll make a comment about like you know, a person plays their thing, not necessarily like a kid bad, badly behaving. And I'm always like the devil's advocate. Well, maybe that person just had a, a rough day, babe, you know? And then and there, there is this, um, this girl who always plays on the playground that's right across the street from our house. And my, my husband's always like something about her, babe. And I'm like, Dom, we, we don't know her. So she just might be different. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and he's like, he's like, why are you such a good person? And I'm like, I'm just thinking what I would want someone to think about my kid, you know, like maybe he's just different. My, and my kid likes to wear dresses and twirl around like a princess. So, you know, people are like, why is your son wearing a dress? And I'm like, because that's who he is. And I'm not going to stop him. You know what I mean? He's 
before, first of all, and second of all, because that's what he wants yeah, to do right yeah, now. Let, let's just, okay. Right? So let's not, that's a different topic for a different day, but I kind of use that, like treat people how you want to be treated kind of thing, you know, especially with kids, like they're so honest and pure and innocent. Like they're not doing anything wrong. They're just exploring who they are, you know? So maybe we don't. Yeah. They're exploring who they are. And, and it's like, you know, especially when you're dealing with a kid with like mm-hmm. and sensory and whatever, it's like your really loud shrieking voice might just be a little bit too much for their ears right mm-hmm. now. And so they might tell you to stop talking or whatever. Like they're not being rude. That's yeah. the way of communicating. Like I cannot listen to you anymore <laughs> because it's making their yes. brain like short. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I guess I'm always about just, you know, think of the, a differing perspective. Mm-hmm. I think we're totally. so quick to just judge. And I feel like that's really bad right now. Like everybody's just so damn quick yep. to judge on anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, take a breath and be like, Oh, maybe, maybe I should think mm-hmm. about this or maybe something's going on or who knows? Everybody has their own. I also story. feel like on that note, just to riff on that for a second, I also feel like we're all judging based on our perceptions and our perspective and our experience. Somebody like who grew up, you know, whether it was like a physical abuse or emotional abuse is going to be different from somebody who has a disability, who, you know, who grew up in a cookie cutter household, you know, like we all have our perspective. So we're judging people based on our own perceptions and expectations, not what the truth is for that individual. Does that make sense? Like everything is yeah, perceived. It's, like we, it's hard to see out of, of yep. the bubble that we yep. have. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, well maybe they have a different experience. Totally. Like that's I don't my know. thing. It's, I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like less judging, more loving. Just move on. <laughs> that's a good, that's, that's it right there. Less judging, more loving. Right. Jean, yes. Less judging. Oh, Gina, it's really lovely <laughs> to chat with you. Thank you so much for sharing all about your family, educating me on Tourette's and I've learned so much stuff. I didn't even know before. That's pretty incredible. Um, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Um, this is the mama knows not a podcast. And I just hope everybody's out there learning things. They didn't know they needed to know. 